Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. It is Wednesday, October 27th. 2021 people hope everybody is having a great day hope everybody is having a great week hope nobody was at a press conference with mike tomlin on tuesday afternoon because he was not very happy that is right there is a lot to get to in today's show we will obviously give you an update on the college football coaching carousel i don't plan on doing this stuff every episode but then new interesting developments come up we will talk a little bit about the mike tomlin stuff also think that some interesting things happen with James Franklin behind the scenes this week, which we'll discuss a little bit. From there, we will do a little college hoops. College hoops two weeks from today as I record Wednesday or t- Tuesday night, excuse me. There will be games. Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke. And what I want to do is this. DraftKings Sportsbook has put out new national championship odds. What I want to break down is about five, six, seven teams that I feel are still good value, bad value, stay away, long shot teams that I believe are worth looking into. If you do like to throw down a few bucks, obviously the link to the DraftKings Sportsbook will be in this show description. And finally, we will wrap with America's favorite segment, the segment you wait all week for, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where I talk about a lot of the great things that I say throughout the course of the week, and also a lot of stuff that I got wrong, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, is there plenty for me to discuss in terms of being wrong this week. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, it's really interesting. Topic of the day is obviously as the college football coaching carousel turns. And why it's interesting is this. Like I said a minute ago, I don't plan on talking about this topic every single episode, but new stuff happens, and you guys want to hear about it. I will readily admit, over the last couple weeks, as seemingly every episode we have talked about, either USC, LSU, Dabo, James Franklin, whatever, I've gotten a few complaints. I've gotten a few people say, Torres, all you ever talk about is the... Here's the deal. Here's the bottom line as we get into two new developments in the coaching carousel. You need to understand one thing about this show, okay? One thing you need to know about this show. I do not pick the topics that we talk about on this show. Sounds weird, right? Aaron Torres podcast, my name's on it, all that good stuff. I don't pick the topics that we talk about on this show. No, you guys pick the topics that we talk about on this show. And what I can tell you definitively is that the numbers this month, when USC opened last month, LSU opened this month, have been through the roof. By the time you listen to this podcast, this will be the most downloaded month in the history of the Aaron Torres podcast. It's only October 27th, people. The YouTube numbers have already eclipsed, destroyed the best numbers that we have ever done on YouTube. So the bottom line remains, you guys want this college football coaching carousel content, and boy, oh boy, does it keep delivering. Two new developments since the last time we spoke, and the big one, I think you know what it is. It was the link and the rumor that Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin could be the next head coach at either USC or LSU. And for those who somehow missed the story or don't know how Mike Tomlin's name first got into the media, let me say this. 
The way it got in is the way that all this stuff gets in. A rumor starts, a second. Here's what happened. Doug Whaley, a former uh, general manager, NFL general manager, okay? So this is important here because we're going to get into Mike Tomlin. He refuted the reports on Tuesday. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But this all started with two different people talking about Mike Tomlin as a potential candidate for college football coaching jobs. I want to give you the full context because I am going to criticize Mike Tomlin here in a little bit. Uh, And in the process, I want you to understand everything that happened that led up to that crazy press conference with Mike Tomlin on Tuesday. So first of all, we know the two head coaching jobs are open USC LSU. Friday, there is a guy named Doug Whaley, former GM of the Buffalo Bills, goes on a sports talk radio show, and I don't even know exactly how the name Mike Tomlin came up, but this is an exact quote from Doug Whaley, former NFL GM, about Mike Tomlin. Here is what he said. Six letters for Steelers fans to be very concerned about. LSU. USC. Think about that. Both institutions that can outpay the Roonies, who are, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers owners, their alumni base has enough money to give Mike Tomlin whatever he wants, Whaley said on the fan morning show that was on Friday. So Friday, you're already starting to hear the rumor mill heat up. The Steelers were on a bye last week, so we're not hearing from Mike Tomlin. And then on Monday, it went into overdrive because Carson Palmer, of course, the iconic USC quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, played for a million years in the NFL. He's on the Dan Patrick Show. He is asked about the USC head coaching job. And here is what Carson Palmer said about the USC head coaching job. I've been talking to a bunch of folks and giving input here and there. I've been as involved as they'll let me be. You've got Penn State. He's talking about James Franklin. You've got Iowa State. He's talking about Matt Campbell. You've got Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, the coaches that could be involved, Palmer said. You've also got a wild card like a Mike Tomlin if Mike Tomlin wants out. So in the course of four days, really two days, Friday, Monday, because obviously we're not going to be talking about coaching stuff on Saturday and Sunday when both college games and NFL are being played. You have two different people really plugged in in football circles that have both linked Mike Tomlin's name to these openings in college football. One person we hadn't heard from, Mike Tomlin, at least until Tuesday when he took the podium, and I'll give Mike Tomlin credit for this. He gave about as emphatic a denial of interest in coaching jobs that I have ever seen. I would not have wanted to have been a reporter in that room. I would not have wanted to look Mike Tomlin in the eye uh, and ask him the next question about the Steelers' offensive tackle uh, depth chart because he was a very scary man in a good way, in the way that you want your football coach to deny interest in the job. Here is what he said. He goes, hey, guys. He's asked about these jobs, obviously. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. I got one of the best jobs in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? And this will be the last time that I will address it, not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never, okay? There's not a booster with a big enough check. Woo! Mike Tomlin. First of all, I got to say, I love him almost calling out the boosters, saying, hey, you guys don't have a big enough check. Yeah, yeah, try the USC boosters. Try the LSU boosters. I don't know exactly what the LSU booster situation is like, but I know one of them got caught paying a backup offensive tackle $280,000 a few years ago. I think they got money. USC, I know some of the boosters. You ever used a public storage? Public storage is owned by one of USC's biggest boosters. Mike Tomlin, dare them to write you a check. But independent of Mike Tomlin talking about a booster won't ever write me a check, let me say this. I am actually going to defend the people that covered this story and the people that reported this story. And obviously, look, I'm part of it, right? I talk about it. I get to use Mike Tomlin's name to create content for the show. But I, what, what I think happened with Mike Tomlin is, is a couple things. First of all, I don't blame him for being emphatic. I don't blame him for doing what he did. I think not only is it about are you actually interested, are you not interested, but he also does have a locker room full of grown men that he then has to go see as soon as that press conference is done. And so if he half-hearts it, if he says, eh, you know, you guys know me, I'm, I'm here for life, I'm a stealer for life, you, you know, black and yellow, black and yellow, all of a sudden, uh, some of the guys in the locker room might be questioning him. He needed to give that response so that the topic would never be brought up again, so that he could move on, so that it would never be an issue going forward. I have no problem with that. 
But this idea that it's so preposterous that we in the media are talking about it, I don't buy it. And let me tell you why. There's a few reasons why I don't blame the media for running with this story and moving forward. First of all, I said it last week with Dabo Sweeney. Whenever anybody's name is out there, it's for a reason. There's a reason that Nick Saban's name has not been linked to USC. It's because Nick Saban isn't leaving Alabama. He's happy at Alabama. He makes more money than God. His football team is running stuff. Same with Kirby Smart. Same in the NFL with Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur or as uh, Mike Tomlin referenced in his press conference, Sean, uh, Sean Payton and Andy Reid. There's a reason their names are not linked to this job. It is because they are happy where they are. They have no interest in this job. And I will say this. Nobody would have put out Mike Tomlin's name if somebody in Mike Tomlin's inner circle did not want his name to be out there, okay? This is the bottom line. This is the facts. I said the same thing with Dabo Sweeney last week. I don't believe Dabo Sweeney is really interested in the LSU job, but I do believe he's interested in letting Clemson fans know, guys, 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 you guys want to criticize me. We're four and three. You want to yell. You want to scream. You want to tell me that I don't know how to coach anymore? Well, I'm just going to let you know. I got some options outside of little old Clemson here, and I might not be here if you don't start changing your tune a little bit. And so with Mike Tomlin, whether he wants a raise, whether he wants an extension, whether he wants some kind of security as the Steelers are clearly going into a rebuild in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era in one of the toughest divisions in football, by the way, with Lamar Jackson, with Joe Burrow, with a very talented Cleveland Browns roster, I don't know what it is, but there is a reason that Mike Tomlin's name was out there. On top of that, I would also say, Look at the two sources that it came from, okay? Like, it's one thing when names and rumors and reports get out there from just super uncredible sources. But when big names get out from credible sources, one, there's a reason, and two, there has to be at least a little bit of fact to it, right? Again, go back to Dabble last week. Bruce Feldman put that out there. Bruce Feldman is as respected of a college football reporter as there is. Bruce Feldman does not put that out there if it's complete baloney because his entire credibility is on the line. And so when I look at the two sources of this Mike Tomlin information that came out, I'm going to defend everybody who, again, talked about this Mike Tomlin stuff. The first guy who put it out, Doug Whaley, former NFL GM. I'll be honest. I don't know all that much about him. Don't know if he's a good guy. Don't know if he's a bad guy. Clearly not a great GM because he doesn't work anymore. But Doug Whaley, I guarantee you, has had some conversation with someone super plugged in in the NFL, whether it was Mike Tomlin, whether it was one of his assistants, whether it was one of his agents. Doug Whaley has access to people that no reporter has, okay? So it'd be one thing if Aaron Torres just throws against the wall, Mike Tomlin might be interested in, in, in USC. It's another thing if a former NFL GM made that, com make, made that connection, made that conversation, and started this entire conversation. Because I'm telling you, Doug Whaley, as a former NFL GM, he has access to people that we don't have access to, whether it's in the media or the general public. I can tell you that for a fact. I've worked in sports for years. I work with athletes all the time. I host radio with athletes. I've done TV with athletes and coaches. They have access to people. I, I would work with a fill-in-the-blank former coach. I won't name names, but, oh, I was on the phone with this guy this week and that guy that week, and they just call to catch up the way that you and your friends would catch up, and they have access to information that nobody else has. So whether it was Doug Whaley talking to Mike Tomlin himself or one of Mike Tomlin's assistants or Mike Tomlin's agent, that information had to have come from somewhere. On top of that, how about the second source of information? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is super well-respected in football and specifically at USC. He has access to people at USC, again, that the average media person does not. I cannot just call up USC's athletic director or assistant athletic director or their number one booster. I can't just call them up and say, hey, what are we thinking about with this coaching job? But Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer probably knows, you know, prominent USC boosters and people in that community on a casual basis when the football team is 11-1 and one and there's no reason. He probably calls up boosters and 80s and associate 80s just to talk on a Tuesday afternoon. So the idea that Carson Palmer pulled this name out of thin air on top of the fact that Doug Whaley last week pulled it out of thin air, give me a break. You don't have two super well-connected people in football you don't have two super well-connected pe people in football pulling a name out of thin air if you don't want it out there or if somebody in your inner circle does not want your name out there. I don't know why Mike Tomlin's name would be out there. I don't know if he wants a raise. I don't know if he wants an extension. I don't know if he wants seriously is interested in the USC or LSU job. But what I'm saying is don't blame us, Mike Tomlin. 
because your name got out there. Again, I do give him a little bit of credit. I do think he did the right thing by deciding to make that big, strong, bold statement. But I'm just telling you, don't blame us, Mike Tomlin, because there is a reason your name was out there. Really quickly, on the coaching carousel front, there was a second piece of news and a second kind of news cycle that really was fascinating on top of the Mike Tomlin stuff, and it came courtesy of our old buddy James Franklin. And I'll just be honest, I think a lot of you guys are tired of hearing about James Franklin. I talked about him on Sunday's show, Monday's show, in terms of has he lost a little luster with some of these coaching jobs, but his name continues to be in the news. He continues to kind of give less strong denials than Mike Tomlin, And there was a very interesting piece of news that came out of James Franklin's camp earlier this week in terms of the coaching carousel stuff. So first of all, he was asked about it again on Tuesday at his press conference and gave just about the worst answer that you can give in terms of having to deal with the questions about these jobs. Mike Tomlin was asked about kind of all these situations being linked to LSU, being linked to USC. And again, I would say this with James Franklin as well. He's been linked to a lot of prominent jobs over the years. If he had interest in none of them, his name would not be there. Clearly, he has at least some interest in seeing what else is out there, even if he ultimately stays at LSU or at Penn State, excuse me. But here is what James Franklin said when he was asked about these coaching jobs. He said, my focus is completely on Illinois, which is, of course, we'll get into that in a minute. My focus is completely on Illinois and this team and this program. That he's talking about Penn State. I think I've shown over my eight years my commitment to this university and this community, and that's kind of my statement. So here's the problem with that. My focus is completely on Illinois. Penn State is playing Iowa or playing, playing Ohio State this week. Penn State is playing Ohio State. They're playing Ohio State. They're not playing Illinois. They played Illinois last week. So it's obviously a Freudian slip, but there were two or three times in his press conference where he was talking about being fully focused on Illinois. If you're fully focused on the opponent ahead, you know the opponent ahead is Ohio State. And I'm not going to pick him apart and tear him to shreds and say, you know, it's clear that he's out because he had a Freudian slip. But what I would also say is this. There was a very, very, very interesting piece of news that came out this week as it pertains to James Franklin. And that interesting piece of news was this. Over the course of the last couple weeks, I think footballscoop.com was the first place to have this, so credit to them if they were, in fact, the first one. Over the last couple weeks, James Franklin has switched agents, okay? He had a guy named Trace Armstrong. I don't know a ton about Trace Armstrong. I believe he is Urban Meyer's agent, but he switched to Jimmy Sexton. He has changed agents, okay? So first of all, a little bit of background. Why is this important? One, Jimmy Sexton is basically the Scott Boris of college football. He is a big you-know-what swinger in college football circles. When you want to get yourself a fat contract, you sign up with Jimmy Sexton. Again, he is a ruthless, shrewd negotiator. Every time you see one of these weird, bizarre, one-sided negotiations, usually Jimmy Sexton is behind it. When Jimbo Fisher gets a raise from $7.5 million per year to nine, even though he didn't make the playoff, Jimmy Sexton is his agent. When Nick Saban, oh, he could be interested in going to Texas. Alabama, you better throw him a few million, few more million dollars. Well, guess who was behind that? Jimmy Sexton. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher even, how about this? Jimbo Fisher is making $9 million a year. He does not have a buyout at Texas A&M, meaning that if he wanted to leave to coach uh, UConn next year, which would be awesome, by the way, um, he wouldn't owe Texas A&M a dollar. So usually these contracts are front-loaded in, the, the, in, in, in this kind of context where if you, you're making a lot of money, you, it also takes a lot of money to get you to leave. I'll give you a cross-board example. Nate Oates, I think the smartest thing that Alabama football did, or Alabama basketball, when Nate Oates got hot last year, they signed him to this huge extension, good for him, four or five million dollars, whatever he makes, but the buyout to get him out of his contract was something insane like 12 million dollars. So for another school, for North Carolina, for Kentucky, for Duke, one of those schools wants Nate Oates, they want to have a conversation with him, it's going to take $10 million just to get Nate Oates out of his contract to come to your school. And so I bring this up because Jimbo Fisher, it costs $0. If Jimbo Fisher decides he wants to leave, $0. So Jimmy Sexton is, I'm getting way off topic here, James Franklin. Let's get back to James Franklin. I went from James Franklin to Nate Oates. I don't know. I'm the only podcast host in America that could do that. But here's the deal. 
James Franklin switched agents from Trace Armstrong to Jimmy Sexton this week, and I will take you behind the curtain of how all of this stuff works in terms of what it all means in the bigger picture. You guys are smart as fans, so I, I believe you know most of this, but let me just explain. You don't switch agents in the middle of a year if you plan on dealing with the status quo. If you're happy at Penn State, you're making whatever, $6 million a year, it doesn't really matter. And you just think, you know what? I got four years left on my deal. I'm happy here. We're good. We're having a great old time. Family loves it. Kids love it. First grade, second grade, whatever. You don't hire a new agent in the middle of the season. Makes no sense. You know, what are you going to hire a new agent for? No, you hire a new agent if you are planning on one of two things. Either squeezing Penn State for every dollar that they are worth with two marquee jobs open up, LSU and USC. That's one reason to hire an agent. You don't really want to leave, but you want to make sure you get every dollar out of Penn State in the process, and you have to convince them that you are going to leave. And that's why you hire the new agent, so that you end up as one of the five highest paid coaches in America while staying at the job. The more realistic situation, though, you hire the new agent because you are ready to get another job and you cannot talk to other schools during the course of the season. Like, you can't do it. You know, LSU's AD can't call James Franklin on a Wednesday night and say, hey, James, what are you doing? Let's talk about this LSU gig. No. James Franklin has a team to coach. There are protocols. There are etiquette. There are rules. Um, I, I don't know enough about how all these contracts are written. I don't know if it would be a breach of contract for, um, for James Franklin to actually speak to LSU or USC. But if James Franklin wants USC or wants LSU to know, hey, just put it out there, but I am very interested in being your next head football coach, that's where he puts his agent in charge, and that's where he not only puts his agent in charge, but he starts laying down some of what he is expecting or hoping for as the next head coach at either LSU or USC. Now, in terms of what's next, what I would say, what's interesting is what I talked about on Monday's show. James Franklin could want out. He better start winning some games, though. He better be competitive this weekend against not Illinois, James Franklin, but Ohio State. Because, I, I, I listen, I know enough about the LSU fan base. It's going to be a tough sell to bring in a 7-5 football coach if James Franklin, currently 5-2, and two, they still have Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State on their schedule. And I can tell you from USC's perspective, that will be a really tough sell. Because USC, in the heart of LA, I've talked about this job over and over and over and over again, but in the heart of LA, with all of the professional sports teams are awesome. Think about all of, the, all of the ways you can spend money as a sports fan if you live in Los Angeles right now. You can go see the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James. You can go see the Los Angeles Clippers who are now good. There are two NFL teams that are awesome. The Rams might win the Super Bowl. Justin Herbert might be the best young quarterback in the NFL. The Dodgers are awesome every single year. USC is in a tough predicament here because... They, I think they really want James Franklin. I think James Franklin wants to go to USC. James Franklin better start winning some games. And so I, I'm getting off on a tangent. I went to Nate Oates. I'm all over the place. But the point I'm trying to bring up is pretty straightforward. Is that you do not hire a new agent in the middle of the football season if you plan on keeping status quo. Either he is going to squeeze Penn State for every dollar that they're worth, or more realistically... He is looking for a way out. He is starting to lay the groundwork for the layout, for, for a way out. And it's not as though his comments on Tuesday did a great job of convincing people otherwise. All right. That was a great segment. I was fired up, man. I, I was talking Nate Oates. I was talking all sorts of stuff. This is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I will come back. I'm going to switch over, speaking of Nate Oates, to college hoops. College hoop season is now less than two weeks away. Insane. DraftKings Sportsbook just put up some new national championship odds. I am going to run through them. I'm going to give you some teams that I like, that I don't like. So stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. Shout out Nate Oates. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I do want to switch gears because as many of you know, in addition to being I don't know, maybe America's foremost college football coaching carousel insider. Yes, I just gave myself that title. Uh, I love me some college hoops, and I'm sure many of you probably found me during some form of college hoop season, whether it was last year, whether it was the year before, whatever. 
But I, I love college hoops, and, and I've said all fall, I've said, look, you know, as, as relevant college hoops news happens, I promise to keep you updated. And the crazy thing is there has seemingly been new college hoops news every single week this year. We've talked about it. I don't need to get into it, but I didn't think I would be talking much college hoops in September and October. Yet here we are, October 27th, and now here's the crazy part. We are under two weeks away from the start of college basketball season. Absolutely just insane. Okay. Two weeks from Tuesday, so obviously yesterday as you guys listen to this show, we will have the Champions Classic, Duke versus Kentucky, Michigan State versus Kansas, the event that opens every college basketball season. There are a ton of great games the first few weeks of the season. In addition to that, I will actually be Duke is playing Gonzaga on Black Friday in Vegas. I will be there. Gonzaga is playing UCLA in Vegas a few days before Thanksgiving. I'm trying to get to that one. UCLA is playing Villanova at Pauley Pavilion, trying to get to that one. So we have a lot of great games, and I haven't, I haven't even mentioned um, you know, all the great games that are going to happen throughout this fall, winter, and spring. So with that, I do want to talk a little college hoops because over the last couple days, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is, which is, of course, our partner at Aaron Torres Media, Aaron Torres Online, where I do all of my writing, and Aaron Torres Podcast, they are our partner here, DraftKings Sportsbook. They have put out new odds on national championship winners. So in terms of they have ranked the teams that they believe are most likely to least likely to win the national championship. And what I want to do is spend a few minutes talking about some of these teams, the teams that I still believe have very good value in terms of the national championship conversation. And it's worth noting, I did write an article about this, AaronTorresOnline.com, if you want to check it out. Additionally, I will drop the link to the odds in the um, in the show description of this of this episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast, so you can look at yourself. But this is what I want to do. I want to first of all tell you who are the five, six, seven, ten favorites, whatever, at the top of the sport, and then from there, what I want to do is go through some teams that I like in terms of value and that I don't like. So first of all, the favorite right now to win the national championship is Gonzaga at plus six fifty. Michigan is next, believe it or not, at plus 1,200. Michigan number six in the AP poll. DraftKings Sportsbook have them much higher. UCLA plus 1,400. Villanova plus 1,400. Duke plus 1,500. Memphis plus 1,500. Texas plus 1,500. Purdue, Kansas, Kentucky at 1,600. Alabama, Illinois at 20 at 20 to 1, so plus 2,000. And then finally, Baylor, Ohio State, plus 2,200. A couple other ones that are noteworthy. We'll get into some of these momentarily. Arkansas, 30 to 1, plus 3,000. North Carolina, 35 to 1, plus thirty plus 3,500. I could go on and on, but I want to get to some of these. And by the way, I should mention for people that are new to this stuff, essentially what you need to know is this. Um, when I say plus 6,500, plus six six. Yeah, let me backtrack. Plus 1,400. Let's use that one as a simple one. That means UCLA is 14 to 1 to win the national championship, which means you bet $1 on UCLA, you get 14 back if they win. You bet $100, you get $1,400 back. So that's kind of how it works. Same with, say, Kentucky at 16 to 1. You bet $1, you get $16 back. You bet $100, you get $1,600 back. That is, of course, if they win the national championship. So those are the top teams. Now what I want to do is get into a few teams that I like, and a few teams that I think are completely overvalued, as well as some long shots that I do think are very interesting. So the first team that I like, drumroll please, it is UCLA at 14-1. to And so as I said, Gonzaga is the favorite at plus, 6, at plus 6, 650, which means they're about 6.5 to 1. You bet $1, you get 650 back. I don't love those odds for Gonzaga. I've been a Gonzaga supporter for years, but this year they are young. They have young guards. I don't know that I trust Gonzaga in the way that I do. Michigan I like. I don't love at plus 1,200. I love UCLA at plus 1,400, and let me explain why. They return every single player off of their team that went to the Final Four last year. If you remember, they lost to Gonzaga in the Final Four. They also added a five-star recruit named Peyton Watson and one of the best transfers in the transfer portal, Miles Johnson, who started on an NCAA tournament team at Rutgers last year. And so to me, they are the clear number one team in the country coming into this season, yet they are only third in the sportsbook odds. And so I love UCLA at plus 1,400. What I would also say, now might be the best time to get them for this simple reason. I just told you, they play Villanova the first full week of the season on a Friday night at Pauley Pavilion. 
They play Gonzaga right before Thanksgiving. If they win both of those games, those odds are going to plummet, and there is no way you're going to be able to get them at 14-1 the rest of the year. So to me, I think there is a lot of value still at 14-1 for UCLA plus 1,400. They are my first team that I believe has great value, the UCLA Bruins. From there, let's talk about a team that I would stay away from. It is a team that I talk about a ton. It is a team that their fans think that I hate them. It is the Memphis Tigers. And again, first of all, Memphis plus 1,500. So essentially, they have the same odds as Duke, better odds than Kansas and Kentucky. And let me just say, I don't buy it. First of all, I don't hate Penny Hardaway, okay? I don't hate Penny Hardaway. But if you're betting on Memphis at 15 to 1, what you are essentially saying is that you believe that a team that has a coach that has never coached in an NCAA tournament game and a team without a single player that has ever played in an NCAA tournament game is going to win the national championship. I'm sorry. I find it hard to believe that's going to happen. It's not that Memphis isn't talented. It's not that they're not good enough. But the bottom line is this is a young team that is going to be relying on young players that have never been in this situation before. Do I think they're good? Yes. Do I think they could get a two or a three seed by the NCAA tournament? Yes. Do I even think they could make a Final Four? I do. But there is a difference between making a Final Four and winning a national championship. You can make a Final Four. You still got to win two games from there. And I believe there are better teams with better value than Memphis. What I would also say, Memphis fans, since I know you think I hate you, if you do believe that Memphis is a team that you want to bet on to win the national championship, what I would suggest is this. And this is just a suggestion. What I would suggest is wait a little while. Because you know how I just said a minute ago that UCLA, early in the season, they are going to play two games, and if they win both of them, the odds are going to plummet? Memphis doesn't really have those games early. And so if you believe Memphis is the team, give it a game or two. Just see how they look before you make that commitment. And then if they do happen to take a loss and you think they're going to turn things around later, then go back and bet them later because the odds might go down and you might get better odds. But I would stay away from Memphis at 15 to 1. Let's just put a little perspective on it. Villanova is 14 to 1, okay? Villanova is 14 to 1, which means that if you bet $100, you're only going to win 100 more on Villanova. There are 100 less on Villanova than you would on Memphis. Villanova returns four starters off a team that won the Big East last year that has a coach that has won two national championships. Memphis has a coach that has never coached an NCAA tournament game with not a single player on their roster that has coached an NCAA tournament game. In terms of teams that I do like, Texas at plus 1,500 is awfully juicy, guys. And the difference between Texas and Memphis, because a lot of people say, oh, Memphis has a whole new roster in there. Here's the difference. Texas has a coach that has been there before and done it, and his name's Chris Beard. Year two at Texas Tech, he takes them to the Elite Eight. Year three, he takes them to a national championship game. And he, like John Calipari at Kentucky, like Eric Musselman at Memphis, or at, at Memphis, at Arkansas, he is great at flipping over his roster every single year and getting the most out of his players come March and April. Well, this year, he has the most talented roster that he has ever had in his coaching history, bar none. No disrespect, people chirped at me on Twitter when I said it, it's not even debatable. Texas has their top two scorers back from last year, Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones. They have friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, Marcus Carr, who was on last week, They have who was all Big Ten last year. They have Timmy Allen, who was all Pac-12, and they have three big men who averaged 15-plus points a game last year, Dylan Disu from Vanderbilt, Trey Mitchell from UMass, and finally Christian Bishop from Creighton. This is the deepest, most talented team Chris Beard has ever had. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but I will say this. There is a chance that early on in the season, they play Gonzaga the first Saturday of college basketball season. Kind of mad that it's on during a college football Saturday, but they could go to Gonzaga and steamroll Gonzaga. And if they do, that is going to change that number. I love Texas at 15 to 1. Team that I want to stay away from, Purdue at 16 to 1. Okay, so here's the deal with Purdue. Purdue is kind of, honestly, I'm just going to be blunt, that quintessential Big Ten team, there's, no, they're not, there's nothing that they're like super elite at, but they are very good at a lot of things. And what they have going for them is this. They finished in the top four in the Big Ten last year. They, they got a four seed in the NCAA tournament. They lost the, in the first round to North Texas, but they literally bring back everybody from that team in 2021-2022. Now, I will say they have a very talented guard named Jaden Ivey. They also have a couple big guys, Travion Williams and Zach Eady. But my concern with Purdue is this. I think they're really good. But some of these teams where they have 
uh, uh, where they're really good early, it's based on the fact that all the guys know each other. There's no adjustment period. They can just get rolling once they return to campus in the summer. But I do worry that a team like Texas, a team like Gonzaga, a team like Kentucky, even a team like Memphis that I seemingly always criticize, those teams have so much more natural talent that by the time March hits, I do worry that they're going to eventually surpass Purdue. Purdue and Memphis play night one, I would take Purdue no doubt. Purdue and Memphis play in March when Jalen Duran and Imani Bates and DeAndre Williams and Lester Kinyonis and all those guys have had four months to play together, I'm probably taking Memphis. And so when it comes to Purdue, they're another one. Could I see them making a Final Four? I could see them making a Final Four. But even to make a Final Four, you got to win two more games once you get to the Final Four. And so because of it, that is one that I would absolutely stay away from because I just don't think they have six games in them to win a national championship when you're playing the caliber of teams that you're going to have to play. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Texas, Gonzaga, Memphis, Villanova. Who I mean, you're going to have to go through three or four of those teams. I don't know that Purdue can do that. I like them. I don't love them at 16-1. to all right, let's keep going. Let's get to beyond them. Next team that I do like, 16-1, the Kansas Jayhawks. And here, another one, Bill Self. Oh, you hate Bill Self. I don't hate Bill Self. He's, a, he's, he's the GOAT, man. He's incredible. He's not really the GOAT. He's a really good coach. Like, he is a real the, – the game last year, they played at Texas Tech. Texas Tech had Mac McClung. Bill Self coached circles around Chris Beard. Okay, Bill Self is a stud. Bill Self is a rock star. And I'll say this about Bill Self. This is not John Calipari or Coach K who maximizes young, one-and-done type talent. As a matter of fact, Bill Self's most success has been the opposite. When he has older veteran players who maybe don't have the upside of the one-and-done type talent, but they have been in the system for two, three, four years, those are the teams that Bill Self has success with. Well, look at this roster. Four starters back from last year, team finished second in the Big 12. Ochai Abaji. Probably an NBA player, but wouldn't have been a first-round pick. That's why he's back. Jalen Wilson, probably would have been a second-round pick, but maybe undrafted. That's why he's back. David McCormick, fourth-year starter at center. And so you look at this team. It is the quintessential Bill Self team, a bunch of older guys, not worried about the NBA, not worried about one and done, not Andrew Wiggins, not Kelly Oubre, not any of those guys, just worried about getting the job done in college I love them. I haven't officially made my national championship pick, but I think Kansas might ultimately end up being it. But I love them at 16-1. to 1. A couple others that I do like. I do like Illinois at 20-1, to 1, and I do actually like Alabama at 20-1 to 1 as well. Let me explain why. One thing that you see in college basketball all the time, a lot of the teams that have success in the NCAA tournament are teams that have been there before and return a big chunk of their roster. Why I'm not as high on Memphis this year. Memphis doesn't have anybody that played in the tournament before. Well, Illinois, except for friend of the Aaron Torres pod, Io DeSumo, they return everybody from last year, Illinois does. And so I bring it up because they are a team, they were really good last year, they bring back basically six or seven guys that contributed last year, including Kofi Coburn, including Andre Curbelo, including Trent Frazier, including DeMonte Williams, really good college players. And they have the taste of the NCAA tournament now and of losing in the second round to Loyola of Chicago. And it's kind of the same with Alabama. Alabama obviously won the SEC regular season title, won the SEC tournament title. And on top of that, um, they did have a, another kind of crushing NCAA tournament loss. In their case, it was in overtime to UCLA. And so because of it, I do think they bounce back. I do think they come back uh, with a vengeance. I would also say with Alabama, though, um, you know, I'm a little worried. Javon Quinterly, fourth-year college player, got suspended to start the season. Not a good sign when your veteran key players get suspended to start the year. So that's something to keep an eye on, but I still do like Alabama. I will say Arkansas 30-1 to feels pretty good to me. Um, you know, Coach Muss, we've talked about him a million times, but they made an Elite Eight in year two last year. I think this roster is more talented in year three under Eric Musselman. 30-1, to get that while you can. Now what I want to do, though, is give you a couple long shots. And here's why I want to give you some long shots. One, they're fun to bet on. Two, what I would also say is this. In betting, there is something called hedging. And what hedging means is this, is that you can basically bet the, like, like if you have a team and you're going to win $10,000 if they win the championship, there gets to a point where you can just start betting against that team 
and make your money back and guarantee that you will have some sort of money at the end of all this, right? So you bet a team at 100 to 1. You could win $10,000 if they win it. Well, you could start hedging, and you might not walk away with $10,000, but you might walk away with three, $4,000 if they make the second round of the NCAA tournament, or the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm looking for now is teams that I believe can at the very least make the second weekend, get maybe to an Elite Eight, maybe even to a Final Four. The first one that really intrigues me, it's going to sound homerish, UConn at 65 to 1. And UConn kind of fits that Illinois, Alabama um, kind of time frame or mindset of they're an older team. They literally return everyone except for one player. His name was James Booknight, lottery pick of the Charlotte Hornets. But last year, James Booknight got hurt. And the team had to learn to play without James Booknight. And by the end, they were actually pretty good without him. Well, this year they bring back everybody. R.J. Cole, Adama Sanogo, a cook, a cook. Uh, Tyrese Martin, one of my favorite players in college hoops. And so I believe that with that team, that much more experienced, that much more talented, and that much more just ready to move on life without uh, James Booknight, I believe they are a team that is going to make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, maybe make an Elite Eight, maybe make a Final Four as a three or a four seed, and then from there you could start hedging. Same vein, 65-1, to one, Auburn. Bruce Pearl is a friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, had him on twice. He told me in the summer he has the best front court in college basketball. Now, I know Bruce Pearl is a showman. He's outspoken. He's this. He's that. But what I would also say about Bruce Pearl, he would not say that if he did not really believe it. Well, they have Walker Kessler, former McDonald's All-American. They got Jabari Smith, former McDonald's All-American. Why does that matter? One, they got some good players. Two, it's because when you get to the NCAA tournament, everything is a rapid turnaround. You face one team that presses. You face one team that runs the Princeton offense. You face one team that wants to score 100 points every night. You score one. T- you face one team whose tempo is much slower. You can go on and on down the list, but every of every night of the tournament, you're facing a different kind of team, and there are going to be a lot of teams that Auburn is going to face in the NCAA tournament that doesn't face a team all year that has two seven-footers, the skill of Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. They won't even face a team that has one seven-footer, and so they're going to get into the NCAA tournament and say, oh my God, how do we match up with this team? They're huge. So Auburn at 65 to 1, I like a lot. Finally, you guys are going to laugh. It's my buddy Mike Woodson. 90 to 1. Indiana is 90 to 1 plus 9,000. You bet $10, you win 900 if Indiana wins the national championship. Shout out Mike Woodson. Now, I will say, look, obviously they are a team that has never, like, like Memphis, Coach has never coached in an NCAA tournament game. A team that has never played in an NCAA tournament. Not a single guy on that roster has played in an NCAA tournament game as best that I know of. But at 90-1, to 1, guys, just think about it. Just use your brains. Just be logical. They have second weekend potential. They get to the second weekend, bet against them, get your money back, get the heck out, enjoy the Sweet 16, enjoy the Elite Eight. So those are my picks. Those are the teams that I like. If I didn't mention your team, it doesn't mean that I hate them. It doesn't mean that I don't think they can win at all. It's just that I don't love the odds in terms of that, that are available at DraftKings Sportsbook. So like Kentucky 16-1, I think that feels about right. Right behind uh, kind of uh, the Gonzaga-UCLA group, Villanova as well, 16-1 feels about right. I, I think it's a good value. I think it's still a good value. I would bet it if I was you. Click the link in the show description, but I'm just telling you 16-1. Uh, and by the way, if you are planning on wagering, do me a favor, click that link in the show description so DraftKings knows I sent you. I mentioned the show description because it really does help me. So if you're planning on wagering, there's obviously you have to have legal sports mobile betting. So, uh, you know, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, West Virginia, Wyoming, et cetera, et cetera, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Virginia, Tennessee. Make sure that you click that link. It really does help me. But those are the teams that I like. As I told you, I'll give you a few that I did like. Uh, I do like UCLA at 14-1. to 1. I do like Texas at 15-1. to 1. I do like Alabama and Illinois at 20-1. to 1. I love Kansas at 16-1. to 1. I do not like Memphis at 15-1. to 1. I do not like Purdue at 16-1. to 1. Also, I do think there's value at UConn, 6,500 plus 6,500. Auburn plus 6,500. Indiana plus 9,000. I just want to do take a quick break. Come back. Where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. You guys love it. I love it. I love you. Let's have one big love fest, baby. We'll be right back. That sounded creepy. All right, everybody. I am back. Final time today. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I do want to wrap with what is quickly becoming one of America's favorite segments, where Aaron was right, 
where Aaron was wrong. And the concept of this segment is pretty simple. I stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd, Fox Sports Radio. I, of course, also host on Fox Sports Radio. Been on with Colin a few times. But the concept of this segment is really simple. Uh, Every, I think, Monday on Colin's show, he goes on and he talks about the stuff that he got right and the stuff that he missed over the course of the last week. And I decided to bring it to this show as well. One, it's a fun way to talk about some stuff that I wouldn't normally get to talk about. You'll see in a minute, I'm actually going to be talking a little bit of NFL to wrap the show. But beyond that, it's also a way to keep me in check a little bit, right? Because nobody likes talking about how great he is and how smart he is more than I do. But sometimes you got to take an L, and sometimes you got to admit that you don't know what you were talking about. And when you come on a show like this, when you do multiple hours of live or you know broadcasting every week, that's almost all opinion based. At some point, you're going to miss on some stuff. And so, what I like to do, I like to talk about the stuff I got right. I also like to admit when I'm wrong, take the walk of shame, and admit I'm wrong. So here it is: where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. I hope you listened to last Friday's show. Because I told you, I said, look, there's this kid named Kenny Pickett, quarterback at Pitt, and if Pitt beats Clemson, he is going to be one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy. What happened? Kenny Pickett, Pitt, go out, beat Clemson, final score 27-17, and I looked at the DraftKings Sportsbook odds on Sunday morning. Kenny Pickett's fourth in the Heisman odds now, beyond only Bryce Young, Matt Corral, and C.J. Stroud. He's fourth in the Heisman odds. Beyond that, I saw Mel, Mel Kuyper, I almost called him Mel Tucker, put out an updated mock draft. You know who's the number one quarterback in this year's mock draft? Kenny Pickett right now. This kid is awesome. This kid is talented. This kid is putting up numbers that are going to have him in the Heisman Trophy race. 23 touchdowns, one interception, including two touchdowns, zero interceptions against Clemson. But beyond that, what I would also say with Kenny Pickett is this, is that he is playing for a good team. He is an elite quarterback in a year where there are none. And I'm just telling you, if he keeps putting up the numbers that he is, Pitt is a cool story. I do believe that there's a little bit of Alabama fatigue going forward. I don't believe that voters are going to give the award to Bryce Young unless he's definitively the best player. Matt Corral, through three quarters of his schedule, has not separated himself. C.J. Stroud, really talented, but there's so many good players at Ohio State. I think Kenny Pickett might be the favorite right now. I would also say I think Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia, is going to garner some steam here over the next couple weeks. But I'm just telling you, I told you about Kenny Pickett. It might be too late. He's down to 12-1, to now fourth in the Heisman Trophy odds. I expect that to continue to fall as Pitt will very likely keep winning, although they do have a tough game left against Miami where Aaron was wrong. I think I've talked about this a few times. It's the Clemson Tigers. And it's really interesting because coming into the year, I was not a huge fan of Clemson. But I just looked at that schedule and I said, man, the ACC, they stink. And Clemson's going to figure out a way to win all these games because Clemson has so much more talent than everybody else. Instead, what happened? DJ Uilagandale is not Trevor Lawrence, and a lot of the holes that they had last year are now being exposed when you don't have a game-changing franchise-type quarterback under center in Trevor Lawrence. Last year, Clemson ranked 77th in the country in rushing. Last year, Clemson got destroyed in the playoff by Ohio State. This team had holes and had flaws last year, and now they are getting exposed. I just told you they lost to Pitt this past weekend. They are now 4-3 and three on the season. And I'm going to tell you, they don't have very many easy games left on the schedule. They do have UConn, which helps. But Florida State at Louisville, Wake Forest, which is currently ranked, and South Carolina. They're going to get to 7-5. and five. They might even get to 8-4. and four. But I thought they would be a playoff team strictly on the ACC being down, being a lousy conference. No, 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 no. Pitt gave them problems. Wake Forest is going to give them problems. They easily could have lost to Boston College. They easily could have lost to Georgia Tech. They did lose to North Carolina State. They obviously lost to Georgia. This is not a very good football team right now. Where Aaron was right. So I just mentioned Clemson a minute ago. If you go back to last Friday's episode, I went in length on Dabo Sweeney, the situation in Clemson. Let me just tell you this. I talked to a source on Monday that knows the Clemson program well, that is around them 365 days a year. He said, without knowing what I said, it wasn't, I, it's not that he's my source, but I called to say, hey, am I off base on what's going on at Clemson right now? Absolutely not. My understanding of what's going on at Clemson, it is getting really toxic at Clemson right now in a way that I described on last Friday's episode. 
The fan base is frustrated. The fan base wants Dabo to make coaching changes. The fan base is frustrated with DJ Uyilagandale. The fan base is frustrated that Dabo Sweeney refuses to use the transfer portal to upgrade his roster. And part of the problem is they've lost a ton of guys to the portal and they're not able to replace them and they refuse to replace them. In a lot of ways, I actually think this actually reminds me a lot of what happened with John Calipari over the last three or four years at Kentucky, where he let some stuff slide with his coaching staff. He didn't really want to use the portal when everybody else was. Then he looks up. He's getting his brains beat in by Alabama last year. He's getting his brains beat in by most of the SEC last year. He finishes 9-16, and 16, and he's got to reevaluate everything he's doing. To John Calipari's credit, changed his coaching staff. Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman in. On top of that, he was really aggressive in the portal, not relying as much on freshmen this year, and I actually like Kentucky. Now it's up to Dabo Sweeney. Are you going to do the same? Are you going to make the commitment that you need to make to this program? But what I would also say, I'm starting to get some real buzz that I don't think he finishes his career at Clemson. I don't think he goes for another college job. I do believe that ultimately... He is going to get tired of college football, tired of the transfer portal stuff, eventually move on to the NFL. If it doesn't work out, maybe that's when he comes back and coaches at LSU or Alabama. But I thought Dabo was a lifer at Clemson. I do not feel that way anymore. Where Aaron was wrong. So USC football. Basketball team's awesome. Andy Enfield, friend of the Aaron Torres podcast. When USC fired Clay Helton, I said they got this young, aggressive, dynamic defensive backs coach named Dante Williams in in as the interim coach the players love him they're going to play hard for him I don't think he's going to win enough games he is not getting this job they are not going to hire him full-time but he is going to make it hard on the administration for them to hire somebody else kind of like what coach O did three or four years ago I guess it was seven eight years ago now when he took over as an interim at USC I yeah I was really wrong on that one since Dante Williams took over, USC is 2-3, and three, got destroyed by Colorado, or Oregon State, excuse me, got destroyed by Utah, and last Saturday against Notre Dame, this is a really bad football team. They're undisciplined, too many penalties, bad time of possession stuff, they can't move the ball, they can't block. This program needs to be completely rebuilt and complete, completely torn down and completely rebuilt again. Now, I will say... Dante Williams, really well-respected defensive backs coach and recruiter. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around, but I thought USC was going to, they were 1-1 one one when they flat fired Clay Helton. I really thought they would figure out a way to finish like 8-4 type thing and make it tough on the administration to get rid of this Dante Williams guy. I, yeah, haven't been more wrong on anything than that as they are now 3-4 and four and still have a bunch of tough games left with UCLA. They play BYU. They also have Arizona State in a couple weeks as well. Where Aaron was right. Switch to college hoops. My old buddy Tom Crean. And I think the first year that I did the Aaron Torres podcast, I could be wrong, when Nick Coffey was my co-host, that was the year that Tom Crean was working at ESPN. And when all these coaching jobs came up, you would have thought John Wooden was coming out of retirement the way that people you gotta hire Tom Crean he's the only option I forget what jobs were even open that year obviously he got Georgia but it was like he's the he you gotta hire Tom how can you not and I'm like that guy sucked he was terrible if listen I'm not saying a man should not be allowed to work again I just wanted to hire him especially in an era in the SEC where there have been so many dynamic hires across this conference at the time, Rick Barnes had things rolling. At the time, John Calipari's rolling. Since then, Buzz Williams, Nate Oates, Eric Musselman. Those are hires that make sense. Young, dynamic, on the way up. Tom Crean was at a Power 5, Power 6 school for like 12 years, and it didn't work. Like, I understand he inherited a tough situation in Indiana. Shout out my boy Mike Woodson, by the way. I understand that he, he inherited a tough situation in Indiana with all the sanctions from the Kelvin Sampson era. But if you go eight, nine years and you can't figure it out, you are not the guy and you cannot do it at the power five, power six level. So why do I bring up Tom Crean? On Saturday, Sunday, they played a charity exhibition against Charlotte. They lost 76 to 65. The only charity is the money that Georgia is paying this guy because he is freaking terrible for people who follow the portal stuff. They lost basically every marquee player that they could this offseason. Obviously, Severe Wheeler is now at Kentucky. Katie Johnson is now at Auburn. They had a really talented player transfer to Dayton. They basically lost anybody good. I truly believe 
Tom Crean, Georgia, they're going to go winless in the SEC. Even Jerry Stackhouse, even Vanderbilt is way ahead of them. I suspect Tom Crean will be fired before the end of the season, but I told you when this guy was hired, I said, let's stop acting like he's John Wooden. Let's stop acting like he's Coach K. Let's stop acting like he's Bill Self or whoever. He's terrible. He didn't get the job done at Indiana. He isn't going to get the job done at Georgia. Been talking a lot of college football coaching carousel. I might have to start making a few calls on that Georgia job and who could potentially get it down the road. Let's wrap where Aaron was right. Uh, quick NFL stuff. Patrick Mahomes. So I did pick KC to win the Super Bowl, but pretty early on, it was actually the first game. The reason I picked KC to win the Super Bowl was pretty straightforward, okay? The reason I picked KC to win the Super Bowl was because I basically said this. If you remember last year, down the stretch, their final six, seven, eight games, they weren't very good. And they kept getting by, kept getting by, kept getting by, destroy Buffalo in the AFC Championship game, and go to the Super Bowl. And in the Super Bowl, they get punked by the Tampa Bay Bucks. okay? And so I picked KC to win the Super Bowl this year because I said, I think they come out with a vengeance. Game one, what happens? They fall down to Cleveland a million points at halftime. And right then I said, it's over. I said, they're a good franchise. They're this, they're that. They ain't what they were a year ago. They ain't what they were two years ago. And now we're seeing it. And what I'll say is I tweeted at the beginning of the Titans game before they were even down too much. This is a franchise that is going in the wrong direction in a major way. The O-line can't block. The defense is terrible. And look, we all love the Mahomie Patrick Mahomes. But watch this guy on Sundays. He makes three, four, five mistakes a game that you're just like, you can't do that. And what I believe he's doing, what I believe is happening to him, is what happens to a lot of guys that have success when they're really young, real quick success. What happens is they start to believe in their abilities more than even their abilities are capable of. If you remember that NBA Finals many years ago when the Warriors were playing the Cavs and the Warriors are melting down and it's late in a game and the Warriors are about to lose and Steph Curry's throwing behind-the-back passes and it's like, Steph Curry, this is like Game 7 of the NBA Finals. You're down like six with two minutes to go. You can't be thrown behind the back passes, and that's what I've seen with Patrick Mahomes. The guy is a turnover machine. The O-line can't block. This is a, I don't think they're even making the playoffs this year. This franchise, this team needs to majorly reshuffle. Um, I'm not a buyer, though. I'm not a buyer. I picked him to win the Super Bowl, but I said week one. I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. If you don't come out in week one ready to go, you're a problem. I was right on that. All right, finally, where Aaron was wrong. So funny story, I was actually on Fox Sports Radio, another NFL story by the way, I was actually on Fox Sports Radio the day that Josh Allen signed that massive extension to make him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And I like Josh Allen, I think he's really, really, really talented, um, but what I said was this, is that if you look at Josh Allen's stats over the course of his career, one thing stands out. He completed 53% of his passes as a rookie in 2018 completed 59% of his passes in 2020, or 2019, okay? Last year, he completed 69% of his passes on his way to what I believe should have been an MVP caliber season. Aaron Rodgers wins it, whatever. But what I said on Fox Sports Radio that day, I said, I don't like the idea of giving a guy the second highest paid, you know, he, they made him the second highest paid player in the history of the NFL behind only, ironically, Patrick Mahomes. I said, I don't like paying a guy off of the outlier year. The outlier year, it's one thing if you have five straight great seasons, you have a little bit of a dip, and you still feel like you got to give a guy an extension. But when you have two, three bad seasons, two, three okay seasons, and a great season, and then you pay him, you might be paying him off the outlier year. Well, yeah, I think I was wrong on that one. Buffalo, of course, right now as we speak, they are four and two. Now, granted, they, they lost early to Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin, our buddy Mike Tomlin. But obviously that Monday night game against Tennessee, they easily could have won, easily could be 5-1 and one at this point. I only bring it up to say, I got to admit, I was just wrong. The kid's awesome. He's really good. And you talk about a fun time to be a football fan. So many great young quarterbacks in the NFL. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, even Patrick Mahomes. I just criticized him, but he is so fun uh, when he is locked in. Justin Herbert, you could go on and on down the list, but a lot of really talented quarterbacks in this league. Kyler Murray's another one as well. All right, I think I'm going to get out of here. I think that's it for this episode of the Aritore Sports Podcast. I have talked long enough, but... Uh, before we get out of here, all of the usual reminders. First of all, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app if you have an Android, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. 
Also make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, throw us a quick five stars. Really does help us uh, help the audience grow, help us move up those iTunes charts. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Also, Aaron Torres online for all my writing. If you did like those college football futures, the link to DraftKings, our partner, will be in the show description. And really, that's all I got. That's all I really got for right now. So I will be back Friday, full preview of a really fun weekend in college football, by the way. We got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Auburn, Ole Miss, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, on and on and on and on and on. I will be back later this week, but I am out for right now. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel. It's my voice. Shout out Mike Tomlin. Be back later this week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.